right, this week on Between Two Pines, we have episode six, and uh, this week we got myself, Austin, we got Zach, and uh, we have a special guest this week, Mr. Colton Whitman. Um, so we're just going to go over a standard uh, episode this week. We'll talk about what we did this week. We're going to talk about some news articles. We got some pretty funny stories. Uh, an Oklahoma world record deer. Uh, a dude got gored to death by a deer that he shot. Uh, we'll talk about that. Uh, probably the most football guy slash outdoors guy of all time. Should be from Wisconsin, even though he's not. Uh, fullback that uh, spends his money on the good stuff. And then we're going to talk about possibly the most Florida story that I've ever heard of all time. And then for the uh, main topic, we're going to talk to Mr. Whitman here. And uh, he's going to tell us uh, the ins and outs of waterfall hunting and some of the tactics that he uses. So uh, we'll get right into it here. Uh, Zach, what would you do this weekend? Anything fun and exciting? Uh, this weekend, I went bow hunting a bunch. Um, the rut's ready to pop. And uh, got a lot of cold weather coming in. so. You know, it's just good to good time to be out in the woods. Um, I actually had a pretty crazy encounter on uh, Saturday night. I guess I uh, I went out to some public park service ground and uh, went to bow hunt, and it was just in a bunch of like real, real nasty thick river bottom type of uh, environment. So uh, I didn't see anything. Shooting time kind of wrapped up. And I climbed down, and the second I climbed down and my feet touched the ground, I hear a bunch of rustling going on and stuff. So I'm like, all right, well, it's probably going to be a deer, of course, you know, because it's a second after shooting time. And uh, it's still rustling, still rustling, still rustling. And then all of a sudden, I've, so I should preface all that with saying I'm in the river bottom, so I have one, my back is to the river. Yeah. So all this wrestling's going on and whatever, what was making it finally comes out of the brush. It's 10 feral pigs, <laughs> 10 yards away from me. Were they big? They were about 60, 75 pounders, just 10. Oh my gosh. So they're just all standing right there. And I'm like, I dropped my bow down with my drop cords and I tied it around the cam. So I can't pull the string back. Yeah. So I'm like just crouched down, not moving, trying to untie this string so I could just shoot one or something. And I can't get it, of course, because I'm just too jacked up. And they just kind of start walking like in my general direction again, but then kind of out to this open field. So then I just like say, you know what, screw it. And I just start raising holy hell and just like start sprinting at them with an arrow in my hand. <laughs> <laughs> ready to just stab one of them and they just all got got out of dodge thankfully but uh you know the one that don't have my handgun with me i come across a perfect opportunity for some free bacon jesus christ man dude it's insane so that's nuts man so you ten of them they were all 60 pounders yeah uh no big sows and no uh no kind of boars coming up behind. They were just a bunch of little, you know, sub-adults. And I mean, like, you would know better than anyone. Would they Would they be willing to actually, like, attack you? Uh, I think if you were to kind of just shoot one in, like, the, the ass or something, and they, they can get pretty ornery. So, um, you know, I, I think you could. they're probably going to be more afraid of you than you are of them, but. It, it wouldn't take much for one to turn around and just kind of flip you. So I got to ask, what was your thought process? So your, your bow you can't draw. That was just the first thing that came to mind was grab an arrow and just raise out. What was the actual oh, yeah. thought process? Uh, well, as I didn't move for as long as they were in front of me. And then the second they started actually walking kind of into the field away from me, I just thought I need to like act like I'm chasing them to try and get them to just hurry up more. Yeah, yeah, true. And and if you would, if one would have came at you, would you, would you, because you, you got mechanical broadheads you're using, right? I have a, I carry a fixed one just in case for situations <laughs> like that. <laughs> well, glad you, glad you made it out alive. Anything else? Uh, I don't know. I, I know none of my stories can top that. So. Um, oh, and uh, my one thing too is, of course, I forget a headlamp. 
So I lit, I have to walk out in the pitch black after just spooking off a bunch of pigs. So that was kind of, I had a little more pip in my step to that point <laughs> than usual. Yeah, I bet, man. Well, you know, I guess you were half overprepared having a fixed blade and then half underprepared. So it evened out and you didn't get gored by a bunch of pigs. So that's good. I'm not going into the bottoms without a gun from now on. Yeah, that's probably a, probably a fair choice. Yeah, imagine if you ran into a, you know, a big, uh, uh, what, what, is the, what are the male pigs? The boars? Yeah, I've seen 300-pound boars. Oh, gosh. God, I'd crap my pants. But, uh, yeah. Jesus. So, yeah, anything else? Did you end up getting anything when you are out there or no? No, I'm just kind of, I already filled my bow tag, or my buck tag, so I'm just kind of bouncing around the new spots I've been wanting to check out. But um actually came across a freaking loaded wood duck timber hole yesterday, so... Uh, duck season opens next weekend here in southern Missouri, so I'm pretty pumped for that. Yeah, that'll be sick. Awesome, man. Well, Colton, how about you? What'd you do this weekend? Anything fun and exciting here this week, I should say? Oh, this weekend went down to my cabin in southwestern Wisconsin, did a little bow hunting, duck hunting, so we'll try to do a little bucks and ducks action, but pretty unsuccessful at both there. Me and my dad went out to our blind Saturday morning and shot three ducks and probably saw 800 mallards and divers just pick up and leave the marsh so that was pretty much the that's the most disappointing yeah. thing of all time so did were they spooked or did you just no like... they just just watching them get up out of the marsh going to feed and everything and we went and tried doing some jump shooting and we uh were you in kayaks or no in a canoe oh, in a canoe. and i had got a blue wing teal and then uh, shoveler, which you know, not the best prize. I was really hoping it was going to be a pretty Jake because I would have mounted it, but of course it was just, just uh, an immature one with no colors yet. But uh, surprised your blue wings are still hanging around. I know I was very surprised. There was there was a couple dozen that were uh, buzzing around the big water when uh, we were out. And where where did you say this was? Southwestern Wisconsin, um, Grant County. It's in. Uh, it's in Muscaday. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a pretty small town. Yeah. Um, and so is this, this is like marsh or is this like yeah. public land that you're hunting? Obviously. Technically, yeah. yeah. Well, all water is public yeah. in Wisconsin. So, but you're entering it from private? Yeah. Yeah. From okay. our cabin, yeah. But our cabin's in Muscaday, but it's down by like Richland Center area. Okay. Richland Center, I know. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, yeah. And it's and all just marsh birds here for the most part? Yep. Puddlers, but I mean, we got the push of divers we killed a oh we killed a ringer too lost a ringer but there was a golden eye drake golden eye that buzzed us and my dad whiffed on it of course <laughs> like i'm like all right here he is dad here he is here he is he's gonna swing awesome boom 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 i'm like wow really want to let him work today huh he goes what I'm like, you missed. It was a stud. He was going to come in again. Well, you don't know that. I'm like, all right, Dad, whatever. Yeah. And, and so how'd you do on the uh, on the deer? Anything? Oh, horrible. Go get down there, you know, pull all the trail cam chips and scrolling through. And there's a bunch of shooter bucks on camera all week. And, of course, the days that I go out and sit, we don't get a single buck <laughs> coming through. Any does? Saw a doe and a fawn that came in, and then a little fork. So well, I mean, at this point in the game, I mean, are you just waiting for gun season, or are you gonna, are you just no, filling the freezer, man? I'm waiting to shoot a big boy. Oh yeah, okay. Rut's uh, <laughs> Rut's pretty much gonna be getting into full swing here. So going back down there this weekend to see if I can get lucky and shoot one of the big boys. I mean, there's probably. Four one thirty plus on really? camera, yeah. But we we'll see. Just gotta get lucky. Hopefully they walk by. Yeah, that would be good. Well, um, I guess for me this weekend, uh, I did nothing really related to the well. I guess this past week, and I'll talk about the previous week, but because uh, we didn't record technically last week, we're recording late this week. But um, yeah, I went to that horseshoes and hand grenades concert at Central Waters. That was a lot of fun. Um, and I cooked uh, backstraps for the first time. Um, I helped Connor butcher uh, the two does that he shot, and then I cooked those backstraps. And, uh, Zach, I don't know how you normally cook them, but I cooked mine. Uh, I wrapped them in applewood smoked bacon, put a little brown sugar on the whole thing, 
and I cooked them at like 350 for like 15 minutes, just got them rare. And then I cut them into like little medallions, made some mashed potatoes and some broccoli. And they were pretty dank. And then I made a little uh, horseradish sauce, like little horseradish and mayonnaise with a little bit of uh, uh, like Italian seasoning in there. And it was dank. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I usually just, yeah, I usually, for backstraps, I just like to, I mean, that's your prime cut. So I just like to salt pepper and fry them till they're rare. But uh, yeah, I mean, you can go wild with them and it's all, it's all good. No matter what, it's hard to mess up. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, uh, yeah, it was pretty tasty, but yeah, I didn't really get out. I mean, I, I went back to Chicago this past weekend, so I didn't really do anything. I'm waiting. I'm just waiting for Thanksgiving. Cause I'm going to be hitting Navy pier. I want to be pounding those perch. perch. Yeah. Oh, the perch on, yeah. Yeah. The jumbo perch on Navy pier. I'll be going back on Thanksgiving. I took a couple extra days off, so I'll be down there pounding those things. And, uh, in a couple of weeks, which I'm pretty excited about, but yeah, I haven't been, uh, I really haven't had the time to get out. I've been busy with class and other stuff. So, but, you know, hopefully this week I can get out into the stand maybe once this week. And then, um, you know, and then it's going to be getting into freaking gun season, which is freaking crazy to me. But, um, yeah, so, so that's about it. Anything else you guys want to add? Any other things that you, you did this week? No, school. Pretty boring. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Zach, you anything else? Got, got gored by any other animals? No, it's finally starting to freeze. So everything that wants to bite you down here is finally going away. No, that's good. Yeah, it's down to what ninety-seven degrees instead of one hundred and ten. <laughs> yeah, we actually we actually hit the upper twenties a couple mornings. So I made sure to get out those days, so I don't really, uh, you know, def- become a true southerner and think that forty degrees is freezing cold. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'm just trying to build up my uh, my tolerance again. Yeah, that's uh. Yeah. Well, at least you got all the gear for it. I mean, you came down there prepared. These uh, Missourians are probably like, Jesus. And you come down with a negative 40 parka that you're like, oh, yeah, no, this was still I was still cold in this thing in Wisconsin. Yeah. But all right. Well, I think I think we covered the weekend. Do you, uh, Zach, you want to get into? uh, Well, I know you can't pull it up, but we'll uh, we'll get into some of these news articles here. So uh, the first one, which I hate to say, I laughed at this one. I know we we were talking (laughs) on it beforehand and. You know, rest in peace. We shouldn't laugh. Rest in peace, Thomas Alexander. He was a true, he'll be our outdoorsman of the week because he died doing what he loved. But he, uh, he was, it was, so basically the story is uh, he was up in Ozark Mountains in Arkansas and uh, he shot a buck well, uh, during muzzle loader. And then um, when he went out to get it, uh, as the article says, evidently it got up, attacked him, and then he was gored several times. Um, so, uh, yeah, so he did that and then he got gored and he was able to call 911, but then he died. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it's just one of those things where it's so, uh, ridiculous, you know, it's kind of, you just kind of say like, holy crap, really? Like, are you serious? Um, yeah, well, have, and you guys have been deer hunting a lot longer than I have. Have you ever run into an incident where it's not totally dead? Yeah. And what do you do? Um, <laughs> I mean, I've walked up on two, and they haven't been dead yet. So, and this is Gunner, uh, gun, gun, just shot him again. <laughs> and you, at, at that point, you just and I'm not. Uh, uh viewer discretion is advised on this. You yeah. just shoot him in the head, or what yeah, you, you yeah, just pop him. In the okay. Fair I enough. mean, to me, I think that's the most ethical way. You're, it's yeah, done deal right then and there. Yeah, true. A lot of people like to go like slit their throats and everything, but. That's probably the most <laughs> yeah, painful a, thing yeah. and disgusting thing to do. I think yeah. shooting them in the head one more time, if you walk up on them and they're not fully yeah. expired yet, I think that is probably the most, most ethical. Yeah. Zach, how about you? You ever run into one that was still kicking when you walked up on it? Uh, no, I haven't. Um, I haven't really, I haven't killed one with uh, an actual high-powered rifle. I've shot them with slugs, muzzleloader, and then, I've killed the most with a bow. Um, so if that kind of close action stuff, I can see where I hit them at least. So if I know it's farther back or low or whatever, I can give it, I can, you know, tell myself to give it more time. Yeah. Uh, you know, not to say that this guy did anything wrong at all. He could have double lunged it and waited the half hour. Like everybody always does and walked up and it just could have <laughs> been one of those things. So it's just, 
I thankfully haven't had to, but uh, yeah. So PSA. I, I think it happened. Well, see, how do you check? Do you just poke it with a stick? That would be my first instinct. Well, I, mean, poking I, mean, the thing. I mean, pretty much. <laughs> you could tell, but I know, like on hunting shows, like you know, they'll poke you with their gun, but. It's more of like what off Zach said. If you know what kind of shot you put on it, you got to give it the, the right amount of time. I mean, if you don't know about your shot, I always like to say give it an hour at the very least if you don't know what kind of shot you put on it. Yeah. yeah. You don't see it drop immediately. Yeah. yeah. If you don't hear it crash or anything or do the death bow, definitely at least, at least give it an hour. Jeez. Yeah, I don't know what I'd do. I would uh I, I know there's that one video. Maybe we'll post that one video of that deer that comes back to life and jumps up. You ever seen that one? <laughs> the dude freaking screams. Yeah, yeah, I'd crap my pants. I don't know what I'd do. It'd be terrible. But yeah, so RIP to uh Mr. Alexander. He could be our outdoorsman of the week. Got gored to death doing what he loves. So PSA, uh check your deer for a pulse. Um, I always had a lo- have a loaded weapon. Yeah, have a loaded weapon for both Zach. You could learn from this. Have a loaded weapon in case you got to off again, or if you get attacked by a herd of pygmy pigs. I don't know. Either way. Yeah. So uh, and then we got uh, yeah. So this next article, um, and Zach, you uh, you sent me this article, um, and I I read it, but uh, yeah, this dude with the Oka- the Oklahoma uh, possible probable new Oklahoma record whitetail. Yeah, possible world record. Is it really a possible world record? Mm-hmm. A tip for a typical deer, yeah. But uh, I forget what exactly it scored, but it's got to go through the sixty-day drying uh, process, and I I think it's going to shrink, and it's not. It's going to be a number two. Yeah, because yeah, it's saying that his gross green score was two oh nine and and four eighths, whatever that means. Why wouldn't they just use a half? Four eighths is a half. Okay, <laughs> well, I guess we're doing four eighths. Um, yeah, and they, the standard typical right now, the record is 194 and zero eighths. So, I mean, will it shrink that much? I mean, that's what, six, that's 15 inches, essentially, 15 and a half. Yeah, it's 15. Old typical is 194. Yeah. I thought it was 2.0 something. Well, that's for the state. I don't know what the world record is. For the state record currently in Oklahoma, it's uh, 194.08. Okay, it'll yeah, it'll beat that. I just think that the typical world record is like too it's close to that. Well, you know what the biggest kick to the nuts on this entire story was? It's his first archery season. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you'd love for it to happen to you. Yeah, yeah, what the heck? It's my first archery season. I seen like eight squirrels and a crow. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny too is uh Last year when that non-typical world record got shot in Illinois, that guy was saying like that was his, he just, but I liked most about it was he was just saying, yeah, I was going to go out and shoot the first mature buck I saw. And it just happened to be the new world record. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. He's like, I'll shoot a doe. I'll shoot a That get the record. That's some guy that's, you know, a real blowhard. That's, you know what I mean? Yeah. I just rather have a lucky guy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and the, dude, and, the, and the kid, uh, and I think he's only 18 years old, I think, this this uh, this young man, I'll say, not kid. Um, but, yeah, he did say, and I thought it was good, you know, what's the point of hunting if you're not going to take everything and it keeps the flow of conservation going in the area? So, yeah, this guy, and his name's Gunner, too. God, what a great name. Jesus, <laughs> this, this kid's just got it all. Jesus. Some, some men just want to watch the world burn. Um, but, yeah, Gunner, yeah, he shot this big buck. Good for him, man. That's awesome. But, uh, yeah, that was uh, good, good for gosh, Dang it. Why can't I see a buck like that? Damn it. Um, so, and then we got two a uh, little bit funnier stories. Uh, what's this guy's name uh, here? Let's see. He's a fullback, and we all know. Were you a football player? Yeah, I did play football. Zach, you played football. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I did not. As you can <laughs> tell by my build, uh, my my whopping five foot eight, hundred and forty pounds. I was uh, more of a kicker than anything. But um, yeah. So, uh, but I do know what I do know about football is that fullbacks are football guys. Those are the, those are oh, the yeah. guys. The football, the fullbacks are the football guys. And uh, this guy, people's what they are. Yeah, and uh, Andy Janovic. Uh, uh, um, this guy, so he just got a, a contract with the uh, Denver Broncos, and uh, he drives a blue 2000 Dodge pickup truck with, that's littered with dents and rust, 
And he said that uh, I don't need an extra car payment. I'm just cheap. I like to save money as much as possible. The only thing I spend money on is bush light, chew, and hunting gear. I think we could all relate. That's my <laughs> kind of guy. I mean, he's a man of people. <laughs> Zach, what is uh, you know, if you had to say what percentage of your check goes to hunting gear and bush light? Oh gosh, most. <laughs> <laughs> when you really break it down into a pie graph, it's just most. <laughs> More than half. Besides- Besides fuel, that's about the only thing I spend my money on. Fair enough. And rent and all that. Yeah, Tracy pays for that. <laughs> yeah, Tracy just got a new job, actually. Oh, good for her. See? Look at that. You got So a- now I have more money to spend <laughs> on that. <laughs> Perfect. Now you got a sugar mama. Now, yeah, now it's even more. The pie graph got even more uh, into the, the red zone of hunting. How about you? How, right. much, how much do you spend on your on hunting gear and, uh, and bush light and dip? Quite, quite a bit, quite a bit. Um, yeah, the bush light and the hunting gear. So it's a hefty, hefty chunk of change, you know. It's hard to track how much you spend when you go to school. Yeah, true that. Yeah, no, I remember those days. Yeah, it's uh. Yeah, that stuff away either. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, no, I often think about that because I was just looking. I was like, geez, like you know, you th- it because it adds up slowly. That's how it gets you. It's like, oh, I'm just going to buy this duck call. Oh, I'm just going to buy, you know what? I'm just going to get a new shotgun. I know it's a big thing, but that's all I'm going to spend this year. And then it's, oh, I lost an arrow, and I need new broadheads. Next thing you know, you're poor, and you're living on a van down by the river. Yeah. But, but you got a bunch of stuff down there. <laughs> but, yeah, no, this dude's awesome, and uh, I want to meet him. I don't know where he's from. He's got 139000 on his uh, on his truck. That's nothing. I wouldn't sell that thing either. We should get him on an interview. <laughs> we should. I'll, 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 I'll DM him on. Uh, I'll DM him on Instagram. Like, Yo, dude, we just want to interview you. Yeah. Oh, look. Is there a video of him? Oh no. Okay. No, there. I did. I did peep his Instagram uh, beforehand, and uh, it is. He's got a bunch of pictures of him trapping raccoons and stuff and doing. He's a good old boy, and I respect that. And that's crazy to think that he's playing in the NFL and he's still out trapping raccoons as an NFL football player. Like, I don't like, I wish I would, I wish I could trap. Like I wish I got into it, but I mean, an NFL football player out trapping raccoons. I mean, does that, what do raccoons go for? Like about two to $5. Do you think that's really going to mean that much to an NFL football player? Nothing. He just likes to do it. Yeah, he's a man of the people, and we respect but it. If you look at it, I guess that's a can of chew. So every coon <laughs> traps is a can of chew. Yeah. No. No kidding. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, no. This dude's awesome. He's freaking yoked, and uh, I would totally go hunting with him on any given occasion. So, Andy Janovic, um, DM us. You can come on the show. We'll take you hunting. You take us coon trapping. We're good. We're in. Um, Phil, for the uh. The last news article here, um, this is arguably the most Florida story I've ever seen in my entire life of all time. So the headline here is, uh, which it's not Florida, man, it should be. Florida inmate charged with feeding pet iguanas to alligator at Sheriff's Zoo. I got so many questions off the bat. (laughs) So first off, they got a zoo at the jail. Is that is that? Am I understanding this correctly? I mean, is that? Am I reading this? I don't up? know if it's like, oh, you're on good behavior. You can go tour the, to whatever <laughs> zoo. I don't know. It sounds like they work there. Yeah, here's what it says. Yeah, so given privilege of working outside at a petting zoo in go. Stock Island. There you go. So they got a bunch of convicted felons working at a petting zoo, which I, you know. Whatever, if they're on good behavior, I, I don't see anything still wrong with that. sounds a little hairy. Yeah, still, still, it's Florida. So, you know, you got That's a true. one in two chance of someone being a felon. Um, but, uh, yeah, and uh, so apparently the zoo had uh, some iguanas, uh, which are an invasive species in Florida. I will say, take that before, you know, everyone gets up in arms about this. But they had a large iguana that lived on the farm for over a decade named Mojo. And he was more of a pet. 
Well, this guy, uh, this inmate, this inmate zookeeper decided to uh, grab this iguana and then yeet it into the alligator enclosure. <laughs> and then the gator, the gator reportedly held mojo under underwater for 30 minutes and then left its rotting, <laughs> left its rotting carcass in the habitat and then, <laughs> and then didn't eat it. It was too big for him is what it says. So, yeah, huh. Zach, what do you think about this? The the only reason this is news is because that stupid iguana had a name. <laughs> Am I wrong? I don't think you're wrong. I don't that think is the only reason they're writing about this is because that stupid thing was a pet with a name. Yes. If some guy just threw an iguana into an alligator exhibit, it would just be another day in Florida. <laughs> but it's because Mojo got thrown in there, it makes the news. <laughs> True that. Yeah, I, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. Uh, Colton, your thoughts on this? I I agree 100% with Zach. I mean, just because the iguana was named Mojo and people had uh, personal attachments to him, that's why he's on our podcast right now. Yeah, he's, uh, yeah, he, I don't, you know what? It's a circle of life. These alligators. Cecil the Lion and the left getting their way with this news article again. It's all the same thing over and over again. Jesus. Zach, are you triggered? No, I don't really care. <laughs> Jesus, yeah. No, yeah, this is, uh, but yeah. So, another day in Florida, people are eating iguanas into alligator cages. There's phones running an entire zoo. Uh, I don't know. The alligator was probably on meth. I don't know. Who knows? He's yeah, probably is. convicted fallen <laughs> He wanted for murder, and he just committed it again in jail. Yeah, honestly. And what do we know about this alligator? What did he do? He's not. He's in jail. Jail. He's in a jail within the jail. He can't be trusted. Same with that iguana. His name Mojo. I don't know. Probably sexually assaulted someone. I don't know. I can't. That's a name I can't trust. Uh, I can't trust that. Speaking, speaking of Mojo. Let's talk duck hunting. <laughs> there we go, Zach, king of the of the segue there. So we'll we'll bust right into the into the main topic here. Uh, Colton, you are uh, you know uh, Zach is as our resident waterfowl expert here, but uh, we wanted to bring you on and get uh, you know some of your insight and background into duck hunting. So do you want to just give us your uh, your general background on hunting the outdoors? How many years you've been doing it? How you got into hunting? So I am. 21 now just put in perspective my dad there's a picture of me and him going out in the canoe to our duck blind at our cabin just like we did this past weekend when i was two years old he had propped me up tied me into the front of the canoe so i wouldn't fall out because i don't know what little two-year-old me would do but there is a picture of me and him paddle well he was paddling i wasn't paddling uh going out to the duck blind when i was two so I mean, technically not hunting since I was two, but I've been around it for my entire life, basically. But um, I think in Illinois, that's where I'm from, I had to take the hunter safety course and legally hunt when I was like nine or something like that. I shot do my... it at 10 in Illinois. Really? I think it's 10. You can... Maybe it's nine. I don't uh, know. Nine or 10, whatever. I killed my first deer after taking the hunter safety course, and that's pretty much how long I've been doing it for. And what I do you fall in love with it? And I mean, now as as a uh, as an adult, I mean, what are what are your species? You t- what do you hunt for the most? Um, I'd say my favorites are waterfowl and turkey, but obviously, I like to fill in the time with um, bow hunting and rifle season up here and. Sometimes shotgun season in Illinois if I go down and buy a tag, but it's always tradition coming up here. And now I go to school here, so going down to my cabin in uh, Grant County, Wisconsin, and going to deer camp with the guys, drinking a bunch of beer, and hobbling <laughs> out to the stand with hopes of shooting a big buck. But uh, yeah, I'd say waterfowl and turkey hunting are my are my go to. That's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, we, uh, for, for the sake of this podcast, we're going to, we're going to kind of get your insights on specifically more the, uh, the waterfowl. And, uh, you know, I see on your Instagram, you're, you, you have a pretty high success rate on uh, waterfowl. So 
up here, and I mean, you're not you're not originally from up here uh, in northern Wisconsin or central Wisconsin. Um, and I'm kind of curious, how do you find your spots? Like, what do you look for, or how do you go about finding your spots, or how did you start finding spots up here? So, my freshman year, I fell into a good group of guys, and they had like one or two fields that they could hunt, and they were like pretty okay fields, like. Being from Illinois, I'm used to just like slaughtering geese <laughs> with my buddy, and and his group and my cousin and his group down there. Like it's when we have a feed, it's gonna be a good feed. And so I was like coming up here, and they're like, I'm like, oh cool, we don't have to have public land or whatever, hunting a private field. And we went out with like six dudes and shot five geese. I'm like, wow, this is really what you guys do up here? Like, I dang. I really wish I would have, like, not gone to school up here. But then, like, we, we had hunted the meat a lot for waterfowl or for ducks. And we had a pretty high success rate there. But for finding spots, just pretty much got to put windshield time on and find birds, follow birds, follow them from loafs. If you're going out in the afternoon, gotta follow them from loafs to fields, and then in the mornings, try and find their roosts. And at night is the same thing: find their roosts, and then you can follow them to their feeds. But if you don't have an idea of where that is, you just kind of gotta go where the harvested fields are. And that's how I've found my success in getting permission. And so what I, and I mean, more specifically, like what, so if, it, and I know I do a lot of, uh, you know, uh, phone scouting, you know, I'm yeah, on Google yeah, Maps yeah. and all that. So is there like particular things that you're, you're looking for? And I know like when I'm looking on Google Maps, I'm looking for like points. I'm looking for what's actually accessible. I'm looking for, you know, is there wetland and forest? Am I looking for more forest if I want woodies? Am I looking for more open water if I want divers? I mean, is there specific stuff that you're you're looking for that gives you a, a higher success rate? Yeah, you're looking, I mean, all the same things. I mean, I think it's pretty general on what to look for to kill waterfowl, but so much not looking on Onyx, but you got to look at those spots on Onyx and then you got to go back into them. And then once you're back into them, I like to look for a lot of smart weed and there are different types of food sources back in there. And if they got a good, like, or if we're going to have a good hide for hunting, because there's no point in hunting ducks if you're not going to have a good hide because they're going to pick you off. But um, I don't know. I like, I like a lot of backwater, the backwater feel, you know, it's just really like kind of shallow, waist deep reeds and smart weed and that green duck weed on top of the water, kind of secluded from the wind. Like, I don't know. I just, that's my favorite type of hunting. It's just backwaters kind of like flooded, flooded stuff and things like that. Different ducks typically. And, and Zach, is that some of the stuff you look for as well? Yeah. I mean, what I like to do is if I'm going to hunt a weekend or I know I'll be hunting the next couple of days, I'll go out and find birds flying or sitting, whatever. So sit in the truck or a dry day, if you will. And then I'll watch where they go. And if I can't drive to like where I'm seeing them go down it, then I'll get into like, you know, a kayak or wade in or whatever to where they're going and see what they're actually doing when they're landing, like what they're eating, why, why they're landing there. Um, you know, with woodies, if it's a, if it's a timber hole, that's got a bunch of oak trees over it. then I know that they're piling up on, acorns or you know like what uh, colton was saying you look for smart weed or you just look for different food that you know they're eating that time of year then uh you can really start start learning just the patterns of ducks in general where you can start you know even if you don't go right on the x or you can't go there one day then you know at least what to look for the next time yeah smart weed and wild rice Wild rice, I swear, is like cocaine for ducks. <laughs> they go absolutely nuts for wild rice. I've had some of my best hunts when there's been years where the wild rice has just exploded and is everywhere. And the woodies, the teal, mallards, any of your local ducks are just absolutely pounding rice. And it's 
it's a fun shoot. <laughs> For sure. Uh, I know. Uh, I went when I worked in Iowa. I did a lot of habitat work at marshes, so we would actually plant like we farmed probably almost three hundred acres in the marsh with corn and stuff, and then we would put water on top of it, and wow. it's just just for public hunting. And we, I talked about you know crack for ducks, <laughs> flooded corn. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, well, yeah, you don't see that too. I mean. I'm sure there's spots where you can find them, but that's not a typical thing to see up here. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if even if it's just a private field, a private field that's got, you know, a pond on it that's surrounded by corn. That's I mean, same thing. They could just they just like corn picked, standing, whatever. Yep. Yeah, for sure. And then I guess beyond that, so you find the spot, you you think it's a good spot. Is there like weather trends that you specifically look for? And me, and I'll be the first one to admit, I'm kind of a puss when it comes to hunting. If it's like, if it's going to be like freezing rain, I'm out. If it's going to be like negative 30, I'm out. But if it's, you know, and I, I go within a range, but if I'm going to be just miserable, not worth it for me. But is there patterns that you specifically look for that give you higher success rate? Um, Personally, I love hunting cold fronts with north, northwest winds, and they, I want them like 15 10 to 15 plus is when stuff really gets dirty. Yeah. Like ducks, I mean, <clears throat> ducks, I mean, if you're hunting ducks on the water, I don't know about you, Zach, but for us, like up here, got a little bit of wind, a little bit of overcast, and that usually makes for a pretty good duck shoot. But I've also had days where bluebird skies and you got wind and you're shooting the crap out of them too. But I think more overcast and wind on water for ducks is pretty good but in general if we're talking field geese i want hot like wind and cold front at an or that i'm sorry i want a cold front and a northwest wind for hunting field geese but I, what do you think Zach? yeah for sure for fields i want you know, at least 10 miles an hour because you got to have them finish, yeah. right? I mean, we've been out there and they just hover a mile high forever, you know, if there's no wind. Mm-hmm. Uh, so having a good amount of wind keeps them down. Uh, when I was hunting Iowa, I hunted Iowa last year and the year before. I haven't hunted Missouri yet, but um, last year I got out probably 50, 55 days. Um, the one biggest thing we looked for was what was going on in north dakota minnesota yeah we were getting hammered with snow we knew you know within the next couple of days we we're going to pick up birds um i still remember i'll never forget one day it was just crazy good northwest winds north dakota and minnesota were getting covered in snow and it was overcast and the best time to shoot migrators ducks is like between 10 and 2 and we just got out there and we just had flock after flock after flock of fresh birds just finishing right in front of us. It was unbelievable. But those are the biggest things you got to look for in the forecast is, you know, what's going on where they're living now and then what's going to bring them down. Yeah. Yeah. And so and for for poor weather, at least in the terms of, you know, generally speaking, I mean, do you guys think on those days, you know, where you have rain, where you might have some freezing rain, are those worth worthwhile to go out? 100%, I think. Yeah, I mean, crappy, crappy days to be out are the best days to, to kill ducks. Hmm, that's interesting. And, and you think they respond better to cold fronts more than anything? Does that make them more active? Yeah, they, they just got their... Their job is to get south, and they use all those environmental cues to kind of help push them along. So, I mean, if you if you want some fresh birds around and you want to actually hunt them before they get too stale from everyone else shooting them over the weekend, then those fronts are the time to be out. Yeah, makes sense. And then I guess uh, you know, Colton. So you you got a good you got a good you got a, a good spot that you found. You got a good quick side note. Sorry. For shooting honkers, late season snowstorms. Wow. Oh my yeah. yeah. Yep. Shooting honkers and even ducks. 
in the snow is absolutely unbelievable. And that's over fields? Yeah, in, in the fields. They are so stupid, <laughs> and they do it so dirty. It makes for an amazing shoot. And that's so and much fun. Those are hunts you'll never forget. Yeah. Like finishing in the decoys, like in your face at 10 <laughs> yards. And they're like w- wanting to like just put down right on you. It's unbelievable. That's insane. So I've also had really good days and just pure fog where you can't yep. see 20 yards. Oh, that's a, you know, we, you just hear them and then you just start calling and you hope that they hear you because they're just coming right to your, they'll finish right in front of your call. Yup. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, I know, we, Zach, you and I have been out on some pretty uh, treacherous, foggy days. But that, uh, as far as duck hunting, like over in the marshes, when you get that thick fog, that makes it 10 times more fun because you can't see them until they're within 15 mm-hmm. yards or 10 yards. They just come out of the fog and everyone craps their pants and unloads. It's like whack-a-mole. You never know which way it's going to come yeah. out of. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what type of spread do you typically use, and what do you think the, the most effective spread is? Um, it's like, I like, or <laughs> we're, um, it's got a mimic. Yeah. We're always looking for what the birds are doing the night, the night before morning before whenever, before you're going to hunt them, um, what they're kind of doing. And yeah, like what you said, Zach is to mimic what they're doing. Um, but if you aren't able to watch the birds and see what they're kind of doing and so you're hunting public land and you can't see a parcel of water or something um i personally like running big spreads i know that a lot of guys don't agree with it and they think it's too much work or whatever but personally no matter what i'm hunting field water whatever you run a big spread somehow you're going to pull birds and that's i've had my best days overrunning big spreads but controversy with that is we had to walk in like a mile and a half one morning and we brought literally six decoys and shot 24 we shot a six man limit six of, man limit with of, six decoys of, of mallards so 24 jeez louise yeah and we want public land yeah Woo. Damn, that's a good day. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, wow, we're not going to kill a single <laughs> duck. And then all of a sudden, like, 10 minutes before shooting light, there's 15 birds in the spread. I'm like, holy cow. And it just kept coming and coming and coming. But that's the only time I've ever had that happen. Once but, in a lifetime right there. Yeah. But typically big spreads, I mean, I like <clears throat> I like running three dozen plus uh floaters and then i like running 10 dozen plus uh f- goose field decoys but we 10 dozen 120 yeah Good. plus 10 dozen Are plus. These like uh, 3d decoys you're pulling out we, like... so we got i mean we use full bodies and dive bomb i have me and a bunch of my buddies we collectively have 15 dozen dive bombs and setting those out with another like Two dozen full bodies makes for a killer spread. Yeah, and so I know when you're field hunting, you're not going to be using um, mojos or anything. Is there anything you add? I mean, do you use, what do you call those, the flappers? flags? Yeah, the flags and yep. other motion stuff. Because we, we were talking in a, in a previous podcast about, you know, I have my, um, my doubts about some of the moving stuff. And, mm-hmm. like, when I was out opening weekend for ducks, I felt like having the mojo out, was turning all of these ducks like as soon as they saw that movement they're like nope yeah. i'm out and, and so what do you think about that do you think they're useful do you think you should use them limited i mean there's a time and a place for mojos 100 percent. like they were huge when they first came out i mean ducks have never seen them before but now ducks are seeing them the entire migration you're hunting public water the ducks are just seeing flashing wings and they know over the whole entire that means, march. That means yeah. dead. Yeah, like, oh, my yeah. buddy went over by that thing and got smoked. I'm out. And yeah. so, hunting water, we like to use mojos. I mean, overcast days and, and stuff like that, you can get away with it. But early morning, use them, then pull them. 
when you realize ducks aren't responding to them. Well, and see, what I've actually done is uh, I've, in the last time I went out, I put my mojo out, but I didn't turn it on. So I made it part of the spread, but I just was like, I'm going to leave it. Just, you know, I tilted the wings so that the colored side was like facing up mm-hmm. and I just left it. And we had, and we had, and we were hunting the same spot we hunted opening weekend. And I thought it was way more, we had ducks coming actually into our spread because I didn't have it running. So mm-hmm. I think there's a, you know, you could even make that part of your, your spread to add a little bit more diversity or, you know, like three effect to your, your spread, yeah. but not, not have it as flashy as uh as it is when it's running but for motion two we really like um jerk cords yeah jerk cords that's what i was gonna say i more often than not the jerk rigs coming with me over the mojos once we get into the season yeah they are very very effective and how many run how many are you running on a jerk cord uh mine just holds like five but make that the focal point of your spread, then, you know, it ripples out to the rest of your spread. Yeah. yeah. And so, and I've never field hunted before, so you guys can enlighten me on this. So how often do you use those plaids when you're out field hunting? All the time. So you're, well, that's like a main yeah. component of it? If geese are in the air, you're flagging. Yeah, I've, not, I've never hunted without a goose flag before. And then... Um, actually, and as far as motion and the decoys, too... Um, for field hunting for if you're field hunting just ducks you want like you know i've seen guys run a dozen mojos in the field you want a lot of spinning parts in the field if you're just hunting mallards and stuff with Mm -hmm. with geese you don't want anything moving but your flag pretty much and what is that flag trying to mimic just a goose taking off it's just it's pulling i personally think it's pulling their eyes to your spread yeah. Okay. Yeah, because like you see, you see big, big high up groups going. You you're out of the blind flapping. I mean, you just want to get as high as possible and get their attention at least to catch them because they could be so far away they just see your flag and you're standing up, you know. But you just want them to get drawn to it. Yeah. So, so I have a, another weird thing which we we don't have uh, in the outline here, but. Something that I was looking at, and I saw an interesting video, and it was talking about when you're running a spread like over snow when you're field hunting. And I thought it was super interesting is guys are using drones now to yeah. fly above their spread to see what it looks like from above. Mm-hmm. Just to, and they're not using it to hunt, but they're just trying to see like, okay, what does my spread look like from above? And it's crazy as you set out your, and like if you're in frosted fields or snow fields, how much you destroy the field from above just from your footprints yep. or the truck or anything else. And it is kind of crazy. And now guys are saying like, Oh, now because I run a smaller spread to limit the amount of footprints that I put out yeah. and everything. I don't know. It's kind of interesting. So my take on that, when we drive into fields, when we're hunting in the snow, we, um, everyone drives in on one track. That's it. So you eliminate that kind of the vehicle traffic going in and out but when setting a decoy spread your your foot traffic doesn't i don't think it matters because that is emulating a flock of geese getting down feeding yeah doing all that we actually like from in front of our feeder decoys like we kick down to the dirt because that resembles a goose laying down melting off a patch of snow then getting in there and feeding and i feel like on top of snow having that dirt all that junk on that snow also helps pull pull the goose the goose's eye to your spread as yeah, well that contrast the white yeah the, the it dark, stands yeah. out and it stands out that they're in there feeding not just a white background with a black and white yeah. decoy yeah no, that makes it's sense. just like trapping coyotes in the snow you want to draw their eye to something so you get beneath the snow and you get dirt around there so they come and investigate what's going on yep hmm. And so, uh, kind of in the same vein here, we were talking about the mojos, whether they're good or bad. What's your opinion on calls? How often do you do them? When do you do them? Why do you do them? Um, and nobody wants to be that guy that just blows calls yeah. the entire for two hours straight out on public land. And everyone just wants to shoot him yep. instead of the duck. <laughs> but real quick with the motion for goose hunting, what, another thing with the flag, it's a product by... Um, moat gear 
it's the magic mic flag and it's on a string it's a stripper yeah <laughs> so it's on a string and you slide a flag into like a holder and you pull the string and the flag will flap from like so you're in the blind birds are working and you're pulling that string and you get that flag to flap in the decoys and we run like two of those one or two of those back home come middle late season and birds absolutely love it like they on the corners and when birds are flying away you hit that flag and it grabs their attention again and they come they'll come in and actually finish because of that but four calls um calling that's that's hard ducks are really hard well actually no not really ducks and geese aren't hard to call you just gotta see what the first couple of flocks want and if they want a lot of calling little calling even no calling it's just you just got to be able to read the flocks and see what they want see i really i'm under the the i i i try to limit my calls as much as possible because i feel like less is more like once in a while and i you know i got my whole lanyard of calls that i've wasted money on that i blow three times in a hunt Mm -hmm. um is uh and i think the goose calls are much more effective especially when you're hunting over water i think those goose calls you get geese to turn mm-hmm. pretty you could physically see them as soon as you start blowing like they will turn on a dime and come and look over but the ducks maybe you'll get one to turn on a hail call or whatever i feel like they're much more visual yeah creatures you know they're i think they're just kind of looking like what looks good to them are they freaked out are they, are they gonna come i feel like a call is not gonna make them one where maybe once in a while, even a really that all just goes back to like with the mojos. Like, if they cut, if they get called at and hail called, and you know, your average guy just blowing a kazoo at them all weekend, then they're going to be pretty shy to calls. But like up in North Dakota this year, we were you know, calling ducks in that you had to keep the call in your mouth to get them to finish, otherwise, yeah. they were going to go with the rest of them. But it's just all that thing that, you know, you, you got to kind of know when to use it and when to not. Yeah. yeah, more more times than not, um, with geese, you're pretty much calling at them until they're in hearing distance all the way to the kill hole. I mean, that's for me personally, but. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, um, you know, we're, we're closing on an hour here. Was there any other stuff that you wanted to add? Was there any, t- I mean. What's like a hot tip that you use that, uh, you know, for duck hunting that you could recommend to hunters? If you had to give, you know, one piece of advice for someone that's just starting out duck hunting, you want them to do well or goose hunting, like what's a one piece of advice that you could give them? Oh, I don't know. I really don't know. Have good gear. I got, I got one. All right, let's hear it. Fill up your tank in your truck and drive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that is by far the best way to kill birds is find them, drive, spend an extra 40 bucks in your tank, and just go find them. Yeah, windshield time is definitely the factor that kills birds pretty much. True that. True that. All right, well, I think that I think that was um, great insight from you, Colton, and uh, we appreciate your insight. Um, Zach, appreciate your insight, too. Um, and me just sitting here learning stuff. I appreciate me. I appreciate me. Um, so anything you feel that you're doing good, Austin, or do you, do you feel like it's all still a guessing game? Um, I feel like I know what I'm doing. My problem is, is it's just a time thing. I'm just, I struggle to find the time to get out as much as I should. And that's why for me, I'm not as, I'm not as successful as I could be. Because I go to spots out of convenience rather than uh, productivity. Like, I just like to get out there. If I shoot a duck, I'm happy. I'm not trying to, you know, stack the the freezer. So, for me, I go to spots where I know I can get my boat out of the driveway, get to the spot in 20 minutes, get out there. I know exactly where I'm going. I got my blind all built and already, you know, out there. So, I just ram my boat into shore and I'm good to go right from there. Um, But... Yeah, I mean, if I if I had more time, if I wasn't, you know, going to school and working full time, yeah, I'm sure I'd be pounding, you know, I'd be stacking bodies, but I just don't have the time to do it. But, you know, yeah. So, 
Um, well, I think that's all we got for that. Uh, Zach, you want to go into the wrap-up here? We could uh, go into some hot gear, cold beer. What do you got for us? Yeah. Um, right now, I'm just sitting down with a nice, cold, speaking of the article, bush light. <laughs> really just can't beat it. Last week, <laughs> I was drinking so cokes, but, uh, you know, I, I, I remember that that's not me. Uh, <laughs> Can't can't beat it. Please sponsor us, Bushlight. As far as hot gear, though, uh, real happy with uh, Banded, the Duck Cutting Company. I bought the Red Zone Waders, Colton. I don't know if you've seen those. Yeah. The the bib looking ones. Yes, yes, yes. I have. Uh, I bought their Red Zones last year. And I didn't get to wear them until this year up in North Dakota. And the third day wearing them, my crotch leaked. Yep. Okay. I, was, I thought you were going to go somewhere good with this. But <laughs> I am. I am. Okay. So I emailed them, said, you know, this is pretty upsetting <laughs> considering the circumstances. <laughs> I, and they said, you know what? Give us a receipt. Send them back. And we'll either fix them or replace them. So I said, all right, fine. Sent them back like a week later. I got a package. What do they send me? A brand new box of Red Zone 2.0s that just came out this year. Wow. Nice. So it was like a extra, it was like $120 more than my ones that I bought last year. More expensive. And I'm sure they just don't have many more in stock and they, because they switched over this year because they had that huge sale too. But And you told them specifically, like, sir, I don't think you understand. I am one of the co-hosts for Between Two Pines, okay? <laughs> right. I, yeah, I, I had the name drop on it. <laughs> yeah, you're like, sir, I think we have almost 60 listeners. It is, okay, I will tell everyone about this. Yeah, <laughs> literally tens of people will hear about this. <laughs> tens of people. <laughs> Uh, no, shots out to Bandit. Uh, great customer service and lickety split, too. I was expecting it to be wow. like two months. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah, good See, for you. I'm a, I'm a big Drake waterfowl guy. So um, sorry, I got. So I'm uh, I'm all about Drake. But, you know, at least I'm not sick for it. Hashtag sicko, baby. <laughs> oh, he's sick. He's sick. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I just like some of their gear and... Uh, I am on the pro staff, so I do get some some cool opportunities. I'm sure you get some happy discounts too. Yeah, it's pretty nice. <laughs> I might have to uh, get in contact with you on the first. Everyone level. will talk crap about Sitka until they can get some yeah. free Sitka. <laughs> until they start knocking some dollars off. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I just I don't like the hubbub about it. I know they I know they make good products and everything, but just. <laughs> the pub bump, man, just every- oh man, sickle, sickle. They're all just sickle blowhards. And then you. Oh, know- no, I think that's just how everybody views people that wear sickle. <laughs> I don't, dude. I I know some people that like they are just the biggest shooters because they wear sickle, you know. But oh, sure. Well, I'm just waiting to get uh, a deal on those waiters because that's what I'm gonna buy next. Yeah, I um, our buddy is a guide on Green Bay. And he had bought lacrosse waders, and now those have finally taken a crap on him. And that's he's gonna buy Sitka waders next, and he is all excited about it. And being a guide, he used his he's a pro staff for Sitka as well, so he gets the big discount. And he said, like, no BS, Sitka is the best hunting gear he's ever worn in his life. Yeah. So it, and- all the stops for comfort and warmth, but well, I'm just a walking, talking billboard when I say stuff like that. <laughs> Even though, I mean, it is awesome stuff, but yeah. Also, Sitka sponsor us as well. Bushlight Sitka sponsor us. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, um, I guess for me, uh, my hot gear is my Elite Gourmet Dehydrator. Um, dude, I've been making hella beef jerky. Ooh, did you get did you just buy that? Is that new? No, I I, uh, I got it from a coworker, and uh, yeah, and it's uh, it's it's nothing fancy at all. One setting, just on or off, and <laughs> uh, 
I rotate the racks to kind of try and keep the, the heat even, but I'll put them in, uh, you know, on my lunch break, I'll come home, toss out, you know, I'll let, you know, whatever the, the, the flavoring that I put on there, I let it, you know, sit overnight, come in on my lunch break, put them all in there. And then I let them cook for, you know, four to six hours. I got some good freaking beef jerky, which I've been making, uh, I've been using uh, Jack Daniels honey. And I let it marinate in uh, Jack Daniels honey, and then I uh, put them in there, and they're uh, they're pretty damn tasty. But um, yeah, so that's been good to me. Uh, Elite Gourmet Dehydrator, it's like thirty bucks new. It's not expensive, and it works great. Um, for my cold beer, uh, I was at the Horseshoes and Hand Grenades concert uh, the, this past weekend, and uh, it was at the Central Waters Brewery, and I had their Crew Drive Brute Pilsner. And uh, it was pretty good, so I'll go with that. Good stuff, Colton. Did you did you say a hot gear or oh, cold you got, beer? You got to no, chime I, in. Yeah, let's hear it. Um, so hot gear, this for me so far would be my no cry spotlight. They are unbelievable. Like they will light up an entire marsh. Um, I used it opening morning in the mead and it's just a war zone out there <laughs> so when guys would come around the bend at like 250 yards you better believe that they were just gonna get lit up with my spotlight and like they're early gates yeah like and i couldn't believe it and it was just lighting them up but they have a very great product and i had actually um dropped it and they have a warranty on there that it's um, waterproof within three feet and drop proof within three feet. And it literally fell out of my backpack and had broke. So I got online and did a little research and they said there's some soldering issues with it. And actually, um, if I had, so I sent them an email and I had told them what happened. I said, Oh yeah, no worries. Um, just send us your receipt and you'll have a brand new spotlight within the week. And sure enough, that happened on like a Friday, emailed them and everything. And Tuesday afternoon, I had a brand new spotlight waiting for me at my house. So, damn. Yeah. And, those, awesome. and they're, I mean, they're rechargeable. They're not, you just plug it in and wait for the lights to turn <laughs> green and take it out. I mean, shining gear up here, looking at different bucks and fields. Like, it's one of the best spotlights I've ever used. So, I think that's my it's just reliable customer service yeah 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 that yep so i think i think that's my hot gear and my uh cold beer gotta relate with you zach <laughs> on my roots of bush light but uh actually besides that uh captain and root beer Rup beer, huh? It well, is. they got kind of like some, uh, you know, some spices in, in that. Uh, well, it's spiced rum, isn't yeah. it? Captain, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, they got, yeah. Some, they got some stuff in there, and then you got uh, the rup beer. I could see that. Yeah, oh yeah, sure. I would definitely try that out if I were you guys for a good nightcap. Yeah. Oh Jesus, that's too much sugar for me. I'll oh, be, I'll be up no, all night. It, it is awesome. Yeah, we're old, Colton. Yeah, you're still you're still a young buck. We're we're old, man. I just yeah. I need to take an insulin shot after that. <laughs> my blood sugar, it's awful. But yeah, I need to that one off by about two p.m. for me to be able to go to bed by six. <laughs> I think that is a pre-workout. That's what yeah. I do. Jeez, oh. But um, yeah. So, well, I think that does it for this week, week five. I think we could close it out. Uh, any uh, just close out any closing remarks, Colton. Uh, just thanks for having me on this week, guys. It was a blast. It was very fun. I'm happy to give my insight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Zach, any closing remarks? Uh, no, go hunt the rut and uh, go hunt some, some ducks and geese. Yep. All right, and uh, I'll close out with um, poke your deer with the stick before you grab them <laughs> and avoid Florida petting zoos. Uh, that's, uh, that's my closing remark. Colton, where can they find you on social media? Okay, so um, my Instagram is cwhite16. So here it is again for everyone that's listening. Got your pen and papers out. It's a hot account. <laughs> All lowercase, C-W-I-G-H-T, and then underscore 16. 
And it'll say Colton Whiteman, UWSP 2020. There you go. Perfect. So follow him on uh, on Instagram. And then, of course, uh, continue. If you're not already, follow us on Instagram. That's Between Two Pines Pod on Instagram. You could also follow Ranger Outdoors. Uh, we post all of our stuff on there as well. Uh, follow either account, and you'll see what we got going on uh, in the outdoors and what we got for the upcoming weeks. So follow us. All right, now we can go back.